to preach the resurrection is a woman. And so she comes and she goes and tells the disciples. But then we see the story continue. 2019. On the first evening of that first day of the week, so that same day, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus said, peace be with you. So I want us to think about what's going on here. First, they're there, the disciples together, and the doors are locked for fear of the Jews. I want to say a couple things about that. First, we have to be very careful when we're reading John's gospel. John talks a whole lot about the Jews and all the things that are going on. In the history of the Christian church, one of the dark spots is the anti-Semitism, the hatred of the Jewish people that has come out of a particular reading of this gospel, a bad reading of this gospel. So we should be very careful not to take this in any way as a condemnation of all Jewish people or as some sort of excuse to hate the Jewish people. This is not what that is. We got to remember, first of all, Jesus was Jewish. All his disciples were Jewish, many of the other people. And so this isn't a broad condemnation of that. And so this transfer that has happened and still continues to happen today where there is a hatred by some Christians of the Jewish people because they murdered the Messiah is absolutely wrong. And we need to, if we see that sort of thing, make sure that does not happen. Okay, that's the side thing. But the second thing I want to know is, where were they? They were inside their doors. Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of these Jewish leaders, whoever they were. But I think that maybe presents us a good picture as we start our conversation today, because sometimes that same picture is a good picture of the church today. That sometimes we're inside the church and the doors are locked, or we come, like to come inside the walls because we're afraid. We're afraid of lots of things. We're afraid of some agenda from whatever other group that we're afraid of. We're afraid of telling other people about Jesus because it can be embarrassing. It can be difficult. We might lose friendships. But fear is not something that was limited to the followers of Jesus in the first century. I see so much fear. I remember a moment years ago at a prayer meeting at another congregation and somebody brought in a fundraising letter and, and they started reading some of the letter and it was talking about all these horrible things that were going on in the country. And the woman asked me, she said, what do you think of this pastor? Well, sometimes my filter doesn't work real well. And I said, they want you to be afraid so you'll give them money. I think it was true. It may not have been the best thing, the most pastoral thing to say at the moment. But this is how, unfortunately, the church in America sometimes operates today, is we run on fear. We're just, everything we're afraid of, we're afraid of the liberal agenda, we're afraid of the left, we're afraid of the right, we're afraid of whatever, the Russians, the, the aliens, whatever it is we're afraid of. And this is how the early church starts, they were afraid. But then, I want you to notice what happened. Jesus came and stood among them. And Jesus does the same thing today that he did 2,000 years ago. He comes and he stands among us and he says, peace be with you. This word peace means shalom, wholeness. It's like what the angels almost always say whenever they show up in the Bible, which is whenever angels show up, what happens? People get afraid and what, what do the angels say? Don't be afraid. 
And that's almost what Jesus is saying is here. Peace be with you. He says, it's okay. You don't need to be afraid. Who's he talking to? He's talking to these disciples who ran away when he was at the cross. He's talking to Peter who denied him three times. He's talking to this group. And in a sense, he's saying, it's okay. I forgive you and everything is going to be okay. And then it goes on and it says, after this, he showed them his hands and his side. He shows them these wounds. And I think he does this for a couple reasons. One is, it's a reminder to them of how much he loves them. He shows them his hands and his side because he's saying, this is a physical demonstration of, I loved you so much and I love this world that we live in so much. I even love those people that you're afraid of so much that I went to the cross, that I died for them. He's also reminding them that this one standing here, this risen Christ, is the crucified Christ. That they're not two different people, they're not two different things. And I think he's also subtly reminding them that what he is going to call them to do is not going to be easy. That the path of ministry, so this call to abide and then to go, to go and share the world. Jesus isn't coming to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be really, really easy. Everybody's just going to welcome you with open arms. He's saying that sometimes when you share the good news of God, this is how people will respond to you. And so he's doing all this to them. But then what I want to focus on for the remainder of the time is these next few verses where Jesus kind of helps set the stage for what this looks like. The words that he gives those frightened disciples are the same words that he gives to us today. And the first is in verse 21 where he says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so he comes back to this peace again. It's almost as if he wants to make sure that if the disciples didn't hear it the first time, they heard it again. We do the same thing sometimes. We want to make sure somebody gets something, we repeat it. And he wants them to get that he is giving them his peace. That he's reassuring them. And this is one of the central things as we think about this call that he gives to be sent into the world can be frightening. It can be scary. And Jesus speaks to us and says, peace. It's going to be okay. It is okay and it's going to be okay. And this is the same thing. We did this about three weeks ago. We're back in John chapter 17, this prayer that Jesus prays for his followers, both his followers then and his followers now, he talked about, as you sent me, Father, so I am sending them. And this is kind of an echo of that. John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And in that passage back in John chapter 17, he talks about how we were set apart. And they were to love each other so the world were known. And so when he says, as the Father sent me, in the same manner. Well, how was Jesus sent into the world? He was sent, why? 
Okay, big verse from John. There's a couple key verses. One is John chapter 3, verse 16, right? One we might remember is, for God so what? Loved the world. So what motivated God's sending Jesus into the world? Love. And in the same way, when Jesus sends us into the world, it's motivated by love. That's where it's going to. So as the Father sent me, as the Father sent me to demonstrate His love, so I send you to demonstrate my love. In other words, the love of Jesus motivates and shapes our mission into the world. It was that love for just a few people. For God so loved what? The world. Except for, no, wait. Doesn't go there, does it? For God so loved the world. Did Jesus dying on the cross, when he looks down and sees the Roman soldiers crucifying him, Father, forgive them. And so Jesus' love was a love for enemies. So what Jesus is saying to them gathered in that room there in fear of the leaders outside is he said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. God sent Jesus into the world to love those who were opposed to him. And so now Jesus is saying to the disciples, in the same way I'm sending you out into the world to those who are your enemies and to show love to them. I mean, I like the idea of going and sharing Jesus with my friends, with people who like me, who get along with me, but Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying, no, we also have to share the good news of Jesus with people who may not like us. We have to share the good news of Jesus with people who disagree with us, who have different views on what the world looks like. And so Jesus is reminding you, saying, I'm giving you my peace, but I'm calling you to go and to share this love and demonstrate Jesus' love. And then he goes on and it says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I read about one uh, famous preacher, Dale Bruner, who when he was preaching on this passage, he took out some breath spray and then went around and breathed on all the people in the congregation. I'm not doing that, okay? So you're okay. I'm going to stay up here. But it's, a, it's that's just weird, isn't it? I mean, I read that, like, I mean, there's a lot of strange things about it, but this is one of those ones like, okay, breathe on him. I'm like, ah. I mean, but what's Jesus doing here? He's doing a couple things. He's giving them a physical, physical picture of something. And this is what Jesus often did was when he was teaching them about how he was going to give his life, what did he do? He gave them a meal. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he pours wine. He said, this is my cup for you. He feeds the crowds and he talks about the bread and the cup and he acts things out. He washes the disciples' feet as a symbol of the way in which they'll be washed of their sins. And so in the same way, he gives them an icon, a parable, a living demonstration of what he's about to do. And he breathes them and it says, what? Receive the Spirit. Which is, if we go back a few chapters, chapter 13 through 17, where Jesus has this long conversation with his disciples prior to his death he talks a whole lot about giving them the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus does this, as he breathes on them, he draws on some key passages from Scripture. So back in Genesis, when God is creating, and it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
He breathed the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So Jesus breathes, and it's this symbol of new life coming in. Or we move forward in the story of God to the book of Ezekiel. And there's this fantastic vision. Ezekiel has this picture of a valley of dry bones, the, the people of God who are dead. And God gives him this vision. And it says, then he said to me, prophecy to the breath. Prophecy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And so here's this story in the book of, we get the story of life given to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. Then we get the story in Ezekiel chapter 37 of, of new life, of this new creation of God bringing life. And so Jesus, in this moment, captures all this thing. He breathes on, and it's something he even said in John chapter 6. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And so here he is. He breathes and demonstrates. He says, I'm giving you the spirit. And this breathing kind of helps the disciples remember like, wait. Oh, like God breathed into Adam. Like the spirit breathed into the valley of dry bones. All this thing. What you are doing right now, Jesus, is giving us life and power. And he breathed on us to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's a sense of like the Spirit isn't just with them, it's in them. So when John the Baptist said be that Jesus would baptize in the Spirit, the Spirit isn't just an afterthought. The Spirit isn't a footnote in John's gospel. The Spirit is the way Jesus comes and dies for us and gives us forgiveness. But then he gives us the Spirit so that we can share that story. So Jesus has said to these people who are locked in the room that are afraid, one, my peace is with you. The crucified Christ, the risen Christ is with you. Second, I'm giving you this spirit. Which spirit? The spirit that gives life. The spirit that can raise a valley of dry bones. The spirit that can create a vast army. I'm giving that to you now and it's inside of you. So as we think about this idea of sharing the good news of Jesus, of passing this on, it's not that we're involving God in our mission, but he's involving us in his mission. Say that again. This isn't a matter of saying, oh God, could you come along with us on what we're doing? But no, God is involving us in his mission and he's doing it with the power of the Spirit. And sometimes we forget this, that the Spirit... As we go forward, Jesus says, this is yours now. It's inside of you. So when you step outside of these locked doors, when you step outside of your fear, the spirit of life, the one who breathed life into Adam, the one who breathed life into the valley of dry bones, the one that gives life is going with you. And then finally in Verse 23, he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And that's one of those passages you're like, okay, I got some questions now. So it's up to us to forgive people's sins? How does that work? I think the short answer probably to think about it is thinking about what John has said earlier and remembering this back in John chapter 1. We're not going to go to that verse. But John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And then we see that played out as Jesus is embodied as the lamb who gives his life on the cross. So whatever is going on here, this is not saying that in some way we are the means to forgiveness to people. But instead, we're called to proclaim forgiveness. And this is critical to our sharing. To forgive forgiveness, to remind people that they are forgiven. But Jesus' ministry was more than just forgiveness. It was essential. Forgiveness is essential to the life that is life, but it is not its entirety. So Angie was up here earlier sharing about a ministry of caring for those who are foster children and orphans. This is the heart of God. I invite you to read, you're reading through your Bible next time and notice how many times that God talks about the value of kind of the, the widows, the orphans, the aliens, and the strangers, this group of people who he consistently, who are on the margin. And it's the same one when Jesus comes and he announces his ministry and it says, I have come to good, proclaim good news to the poor and liberation. The ministry of Jesus was an essential element. The key element is bringing forgiveness and eternal life, but it was not all that Jesus did. And in the same way, the call for us to serve in ministry is not simply to proclaim forgiveness, but to live out that good news, to seek justice in the world to seek transformation, to care for the poor, to visit the, the strangers, to go to the people in jail, to give clean water to those who don't have water to drink. All those are a part of the ministry. So as we get ready to go on our way this week, what I would invite us to do is think, what are we afraid of? What is it that sometimes holds us back from sharing the good news of who Jesus is? Do we end up like those disciples like Peter and John? Do we see the resurrection? Do we come to church on Resurrection Sunday and put flowers on the cross and shout, Christ is risen, He is risen indeed, and then we run back home? To where we were staying. Or do we, like Mary, and then subsequently these disciples go and share this good news? And if we're afraid, what I want us to do is hear this story for today. To hear the story that Jesus comes and stands among us. That the crucified and risen Christ comes and stands here among us and says, peace be with you. He comes to us. And he gives us the spirit, the spirit of life. And he puts it inside of us. He says, you have this spirit now. And then he gives us that mandate to go and to share his love and forgiveness with others. So I would invite us to say, if we're afraid today, if we're scared, if we'd rather lock the doors and stay at home, to hear Jesus' words to us today, Peace. Receive the Spirit and proclaim forgiveness.
and good news. Amen.